KHOL. This is Jackson Unpacked. Our podcast on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and around the Mountain West. I'm news director Tyler Pratt. Coming up on today's show, high school students from across the country are coming to Wyoming National Parks to learn how to help preserve historic buildings for future generations. It wasn't like we did something grand, but we definitely did something that's going to help out in the future and make that building last longer. And the federal government is spending billions on infrastructure projects, including ecosystem restoration. Strengthening our response to disappearing species and habitat loss is crucial. A look at what those dollars are buying from one project in Wyoming. These stories and more coming up on Jackson Unpacked. Thanks for joining us today. Jackson Hole is in the throes of enjoying the long, sunny summer days, but the start of the school year is coming up fast, and the Teton County School District has been in the news a lot lately. It's overcrowded and short on money, but also now offering new flexible pathways to graduation and has changed how it addresses Title IX complaints. Education reporter Jeanette Boner has been on top of these stories for the Jackson Hole News and Guide and sat down with KHOL's Hannah Mersbach to help understand what's been going on. They start off discussing how partisan national politics may have caused the district to part ways with the state school board association. It was twofold. One of the reasons that board members voted to leave that association was the Wyoming School Board Association, the state school board that oversees and advocates for local districts, left the National School Board Association. Republican states around the country are doing this. What's the context? Why are they doing this? One of the reasons was the National School Boards Association's request from the Biden administration to help with other local school boards that were experiencing unrest. There was concern on the national level for school boards members. The National School Board Association did experience some pretty swift pushback, largely from Uh, the conservative faction of the country, and they did issue an apology, um, but that did not stop states from leaving, which would also now include the state of Wyoming. The Teton County School Board was disappointed to learn that they had left the National School Board Association. So without the state membership, the local districts no longer have access to the national board. So that's one reason the Teton County School Board chose to leave the state organization. What's the other? There is some frustration and ongoing frustration as the district has been working hard to secure the state funding that the Wyoming School Board Association, when given the opportunity, had not advocated on behalf of building new facilities for school districts that have demonstrated a need And that all has to do with the Bronx Achievement Center. Tell us again what that is. The Bronx Achievement Center is a facility that has been partly funded by the SPET at a $16.5 million tax initiative passed by voters this November. The school district was on a pretty clear trajectory to receive the additional $22 million in funding from the state. 
The Bronx Achievement Center is not simply a new and shiny building. It has direct educational impacts on students that go to the public school in Teton County. In June, because the funding is uncertain at the state, Superintendent Gillian Chapman said that she would have to look at reducing the graduation requirements at Jackson Hole High School because they simply do not have enough space to accommodate students to obtain the kind of credits that are needed to earn a diploma at Jackson Hole High School. So reducing that requirement is a direct frontline impact on student achievement. And that is the crux of all of this writing for the district to be traveling around the state, trying to figure out how and where the money is has not materialized is all in a greater effort to protect student achievement. So in addition to the Bronx Achievement Center, the district is exploring other ways to deal with overcrowding and, you know, get high schoolers to the finish line in the best possible way. They were recently selected as one of a few districts statewide to participate in a new pilot program, RIDE, which invests in alternative ways to get high schoolers to graduation. Tell me a little bit about this program, what it looks like, and, you know, who it aims to help. Sure. The school district already implements a variety of alternative paths to graduation, partners quite a bit with local businesses and local nonprofit organizations, providing students credits for work study. For example, there was a graduate who earned her certificate nursing from Central Wyoming College. And as an alternative means toward graduation, she was able to earn credit by working at Sage Assisted Living. It sounds like, you know, there's just a lot of creative ways the school district is trying to cater to all different types of students. I think that the school district recognizes that not every student will attend a four-year post-secondary education institution. Also, the post-secondary education landscape is changing. So while the school district is already implementing alternative paths to graduation, Implementing the RIDE program gives the district a little bit more of a framework to work within, um, also provides additional uh, financial funding for staff who would be working on top of their regular duties to further create alternative paths to graduation. Let's move on to another big story you've been working on. The school district recently settled a sexual harassment complaint with the U.S. Justice Department. It alleged that female students were subjected to a school climate where they faced sexualized insults and derogatory comments in the hallways, classrooms, and online. How is the school district responding to this? What what changes are they going to make? This storyline is not new. Uh, This is a storyline that the Jackson Hole News and Guide uh, has been following since 2020. These two civil cases against the district were dismissed and the school district's insurance company negotiated a payout. The Department of Justice has not responded to my request to see the complaint. The district has not seen the complaint and does not know from whom the complaint is coming from. 
But the district took the complaint head on. The complaint took a look at the district's Title IX policies, which are anti-discrimination policies. Uh, They address uh, equality and access to an equal education, free from harassment, bullying. And the, the Department of Justice found that a lot of those policies were in place but there were some other uh, pieces that the district could look at that would sharpen and elevate what is already on the books. In talking with the Community Safety Network this week, they were really excited to hear about the district taking this head on, implementing some of these requirements from the Department of Justice. They are boots on the ground in terms of a nonprofit organization looking to lift up and advocate for healthy relationships within the school district. And they had said to me that the district taking these suggestions head on tracked with their experience on how they worked with the district. There are two takeaways from the settlement agreement that I thought were significant. One, that the district will be investigating whether or not they can host a an online portal for students to be able to report harassment or bullying. And then the other uh, the other piece uh, was the acknowledgement that, you know, not only is the school district accountable and responsible to students who are in their classrooms and on their campuses, but what happens to students and what they experience outside of the classroom, it has direct impacts on their education. That's going to be a wider net for the district to cast. And they will be drafting a memorandum of understanding, an MOU, with an organization that deals specifically with Title IX and ensuring that Title IX policies are well-maintained, up-to-date, and are being implemented. So there's some accountability there for the district that was welcomed by the district to ensure the highest level of student safety. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much. I really enjoy covering education in the region and the health of a community is it can be found in the hallways of school. Jeanette Boner, education reporter at the Jackson Hole News and Guide, speaking with KHOL's Hannah Mersbach. This is Jackson Unpacked. $2 trillion over 10 years. That's how much new spending Congress has approved for infrastructure projects during the Biden administration. Those numbers are so massive that it can be hard to grasp the impact of what this money will have. The Mountain West News Bureau's Will Walkie visited one project to see what some of that money is buying. A small group of people in their teens and early 20s is camping on a distant plot of land down a bumpy dirt road in Carbon County. They're members of the Wyoming Conservation Corps. Achilles Hennessy just graduated high school. I occasionally bring out like my guitar or my binoculars. I have a trivia game on my calculator that I brought out here too. It's just, it's a great little feeling to just be like away from things where you just kind of have to entertain yourself. But it's not all fun and games. This group rises early and begins their job. They're pounding stakes into a muddy stream bed using a large jackhammer. and gathering sagebrush and branches to weave between the stakes. You can run piles down there if you need to. The project is mimicking beaver dams, and Hennessy says it's working. 
by the time like we're getting like halfway done with the dam it's like i'm already like up to my ankles on just like a path that used to just be like dry land like it's crazy how effective these things are this is the headwaters of the colorado river system poor land management degraded it decades ago and dumped harmful sediment downstream so the dams aim to recreate an oasis in a desert landscape nick walworth is with the nonprofit trout unlimited a partner in this project in this type of you know, climate that has um, extreme droughts or extreme flows like we saw this year, those beavers do a lot of work into just kind of leveling that off and making it more habitable. He says that helps several fish species survive, plus pronghorn and migratory birds. The Bureau of Land Management is spending $161 million on projects like this in 11 western states. It helps pay for things like labor and equipment. Walworth says because these investments are so big and occur over a long period of time, he can make a generational change. This year, they're building 15 to 20 dams, but... Maybe by the end of next year, we're building significantly more than that and having a bigger impact throughout the whole drainage instead of just this one little area. The Biden administration has been highlighting these sorts of stories this year. Interior Secretary Deb Holland recently spoke in Vermont. Strengthening our response to disappearing species and habitat loss is crucial if we are to leave behind a livable planet for future generations. And infrastructure money is going much farther. It's expanding broadband service, plugging orphaned wells, and conserving water. But the rollout of money has its critics. Rennie McKay is policy director for the governor of Wyoming. As these acts passed Congress, his line was, we're borrowing dollars from our great-grandchildren because that's what we're doing with deficit spending. States and cities also got funding. But for some conservatives, it just doesn't feel right to spend so much. If Wyoming passes on these dollars, that doesn't mean the dollars don't get spent. That just means they go to other states. McKay says the governor has been prioritizing important parts of the state's economy, like energy, education, and highways. A lot of this money also gets doled out via competitive grants, which can put rural communities at a disadvantage. We know plenty of, of municipalities where the grant writer may also be the mayor or the city manager. So Wyoming is hosting workshops for towns and counties to learn how to navigate this funding process. Because everyone agrees, when the money is spent right, it's valuable on the ground. For Achilles Hennessy and 19-year-old Cody Tripp on the creek, they get a small stipend, a humbling life experience, and a little perspective. It's pretty cool to be like, I guess, I like the end of the cutting axe, which is the progress of these, these jobs, you know? It definitely feels like you're a part of like something bigger. The Conservation Corps gets 10 days of work here, then they'll move on to another project in Wyoming. In the meantime, they get to cool off in a newly created oasis. For Wyoming Public Radio News, I'm Will Walkie in Carbon County. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Jackson Unpacked from KHOL, where we showcase reporting and interviews on news, music, and culture in Jackson Hole and around the Mountain West. New episodes of Jackson Unpacked drop every other Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Tyler Pratt. 
Idaho-based artist Trevor Powers rose to fame more than a decade ago with his debut album, The Year of Hibernation, now considered a dream pop classic. Since then, he has released subsequent albums under the moniker Youth Lagoon, as well as more experimental efforts under his own name. But a couple of years ago, a severe reaction to an over-the-counter medication turned Powers' world upside down, resulting in the loss of his ability to speak, let alone sing, for months on end. After some deep soul-searching and reassessment, Powers emerged from the trauma with a renewed sense of purpose and a rededication to the Mountain West as part of a creative awakening. His critically acclaimed new album, Heaven is a Junkyard, is being heralded a triumph, described as mutant Americana in a world of love, drugs, storytelling, and miracles, held together by Powers' voice and an upright piano. He recently spoke with KHOL music director Jack Catlin and discussed how the tragedy of losing his voice and only being able to communicate through writing and texts impacted him and his music. What it did is it woke me up. It made it to where it was such a leveling experience and took away all my sense of, for at least for a while, took away all my sense of self. And that was something that I had to rebuild from the ground up to where I actually had to go into these deep, dark parts of my soul and, and ask bigger questions that I don't think I ever would have asked had I not been forced. It made everything look a little bit different. It made everything sound a little bit different, made everything feel a little bit different. It made me, even things I had already loved, like certain movies, it made it to where I could pull from those in a deeper way. And yeah, it's like it took away the numbness. I had been numb for a really long time. Throughout the numbness, I had made a lot of things that to this day I'm still incredibly proud of, but I was still I was still numb and now I'm not. That's the biggest difference. I read that you spent more time on the lyrics for this album than you ever have on any other <laughs> album. I wanted to point out one of the tracks, Idaho Alien, is a standout, but really the whole album has this really strong almost tangible sense of place throughout how you effectively absorbed your surroundings in Idaho and kind of filtered them through this creative lens. I just threw your album on and walked around Jackson while it was cloudy and overcast. And it's just being in the Mountain West, I think, has a very strong connection to the album. I don't know. It's just yeah, like fits the vibe sense. of the, the low-hanging cloud cover. and the, the Oh, mid- yeah. Yeah, that's, you know? that's totally, it's totally yeah. my jam. And then I also went the extra mile nerding out. I, uh, I made sure to watch... Paris, Texas last night. Hell yeah. That makes you so happy. Nice. So, a really interesting fact. Doing the research, I learned that you you don't typically draw inspiration from other people's music, but you actually are very drawn to films like Tarkovsky's Stalker, Wim Wenders, Paris, Texas, and Gus Van Sant's Drugstore Cowboy, to name a few. Can you touch on that? Using film as more of an inspiration, moving pictures rather than other people's music when you're writing your your song. I love that you did the research. That makes me so happy. That makes me super happy. Well, just with that film, it's like that epic landscape. The cinematography in that is amazing. And just, yeah, it it was like, it just was like, it's like, oh, that's what he's going for. You know? Yeah, it's the best. And and the movies are so, there's just so much more to pull from, in my opinion, than, Mm -hmm. than music. So that's one of the main things is the way that my brain works is when I'm working on music, even though you have the elements of, of, say, instrumentation, lyrics and all that, and it's not, it's not like a movie. 
in my head, I have all this other added stuff going on where I'm thinking of my own imagery. And I have like, if I watch a certain movie, I sometimes will get this compulsion where I have to work on music. I'll work on songs sometimes that it'll be a direct response to a movie that I saw. But within that response, it's not like it's about the movie. It's it's fueled by whatever it is going on in my life that day or that week or something that I've been around, experienced. And then I kind of use that as a projector for this. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's so hard to describe, but but it's like a almost like a like a self movie that I'm seeing in my head as I'm working on on music. There's so many films that I soak into the point where I'll watch them over and over and over again, or certain filmmakers where I'll watch their entire filmography. And it's different than with music because I do I do listen to a lot of music. But with music, if I find myself listening to the same album or the same artist over and over, it's easy for that to for, for you to accidentally emulate that or for something to bleed into music. Whereas with film, it's such a different, it's a totally different medium. So you can rip off those feelings or whatever it is that you're getting from that experience all day long. And it's never going to be the same thing because it's a different art form. Yeah. And everyone's interpretation of it is completely unique. I'm such a nerd about movies, even down to the typography that they use at the beginning. Yeah. There's just so much endless creativity to pull from that it never gets old. In my lifetime, I could watch multiple movies every day and never run out. And that's not even counting all the ones still being made. Sounds like you should be scoring films. <laughs> I, I've always wanted to. Yeah, yeah. If, the op- if the right opportunity came up, I would love to. I wanted to touch on a quote I really, really liked. And uh, I think it sums up everything really great is with heaviness comes wisdom. Can you elaborate on that for us? It, when things are easy, you're ne- there's never a challenge. And if you're not being challenged, then you're not going to, you're not going to ever use those muscles. You know, the the only way to actually build muscle in life, whatever that muscle is, is to actually work it out. And the working out process is usually terrible, comes in the the package of pain and suffering or loss, abandonment, these things that we, we would never choose for ourselves. But when they find us, there's a growth that happens and a bounding love that happens that never would have happened otherwise. We're very excited to have you come to Jackson. I saw you're playing both as well. So uh-huh. um, if you could just touch on like what it means to you personally to play these smaller market mountain towns, similar to Boise, smaller, a little more in the mountains. What can we expect from that show? And what can we expect from this from this tour? I feel like you have this whole new new energy to you with the with the album. And we're really excited for the tour. Oh, thank you. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I've never been to Jackson, so I've been dying to go and I've heard nothing but incredible things. With shows that are a little bit more off the beaten path, they tend to be my favorite places to play. It can be a little bit easier to make friends and make that connection or to communicate whatever it is that you're trying to communicate on stage. And there's also a hunger and thirst that I that I think can be present in places that aren't major cities it's easy for people who live in no stab against new york and la and berlin and all these places that i that i I adore but i think that people can get a little desensitized toward the magic of music and the the allure and mystique of art in general that i don't think is often lost in smaller cities 
Idaho-based artist Trevor Powers, also known as Youth Lagoon, speaking with KHOL's Jack Catlin. He's performing in Jackson at the Center for the Arts next week. This is Jackson Unpacked. Our final story today, high school students from across the country are looking to the Mountain West to learn how to preserve buildings from the past for future generations. A group of kids from New York is visiting Grand Teton and Yellowstone and asking questions like, what is important to our history? K2L's Anna Merzbach has more. Nine students are gathered in a sliver of shade under the Pink House, one of Grand Teton's historic buildings. It's a home constructed in 1938 by one of the first settlers in the area, The students are trading stories from their trip in Yellowstone, and for some, it was their first time camping. When I mean I was so close to that bison, I think I felt it rub on the tent next to me. That's Adam Sela. It's his 18th birthday, and he says getting out of New York City has been the best way to spend it. Getting to like see actual real grass instead of turf, and like smell fresh air instead of like pollution air. Like get to see like clear skies and like really hear like the silence of the birds and the animals, just to really... The students are on a three-week field trip to Wyoming's national parks, learning everything from historic masonry to log preservation and wood window repair. And they're asking questions about what's important to preserve and who gets to decide. Here's Sela and other students speaking with Grand Teton Superintendent Chip Jenkins. And I feel like the start of the National Park Service was to preserve our parks for the people. And it's where you put the emphasis on the last part of that sentence, right? Which was, for the people. This visit is a way to apply what they've been learning at the Stephen T. Mather Building Arts and Craftsmanship High School, which helps serve minority students in New York. Named after the first director of the National Park Service and partly funded by the parks, the school's goal is to funnel students into fields like historic preservation. This can mean restoring old homesteads, just like the Pink House. Since the modernization and industrialization of construction, you have an entirely different field of people that have to learn the old ways that we used to construct buildings in order to preserve them. So we specialize in that kind of lost and dying art of traditional trades. That's Catherine Watson, who leads programs at the Historic Preservation Training Center at Grand Teton. She says it's their first year hosting this specific program and part of a greater initiative to diversify who works in and has access to national parks. Opening up and realizing that we need to be more reflective of, you know, the American population. One student, Ella Lungi, says spending time with park staff has opened her eyes to new opportunities. That whole experience made me truly, like, think about my future and like made me realize there were so many paths that I could take and not just be so focused on one. Ora Peduto says she's leaving the parks feeling inspired, pointing to a project the group worked on in Yellowstone. One of my favorite things that I've experienced is being able to see the subtle changes that we've created, like at the Norris Ranger Museum. Like, it wasn't like we did something grand, but we definitely did something that's going to help out in the future and make that building last longer. So that's something that I am... Peduto and the others say they're excited to apply what they've learned back home in New York and maybe someday as members of the Park Service themselves. Hannah Mersbach, K-12 News. That's it today on Jackson Unpacked. Original music for the show is performed by the local band Strumbucket. I'm Tyler Pratt, and this is K-12, 
Jackson Hole Community Radio.